Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Fish Across the Pond, a Miami Marlins UK baseball podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Joining me this week, the three amigos, Lee Dobbs, Dan Healy, Rob Newell. How are we, guys? How you doing? Good. Good. Good, yeah. Good. Excellent. Thanks for joining me again, guys. Uh, we're, we're recording. We're out of sync for us. We're recording on a Monday. Um, normally Tuesday, so we're on a Monday. We're all sitting here recording, but I know at least three of us have got the Man City Leicester game on in the background as well. So uh, there's a couple of Liverpool fans in this uh, podcast, me included. So there we go. Uh, equally on a football theme before we fire into the baseball, uh, as as anyone who follows Rob will know, uh, with Rob Norwich UK, he's a big Norwich fan. And he spent a lot of the day today pushing buses, I think, down in, in the centre of Norwich. Yeah, we had, a, we had a Mike Bassett situation. For any of our American <laughs> listeners, it's uh, Mike Bassett, England manager. is a really good film to watch. Uh, <laughs> where the, uh, We had an open-top parade around the city as Norwich are champions of the, the, uh, uh, of the championship, which is the league below the Premier League. And uh, so they, they went around the city and their bus broke down. Uh, with some of us trying to push it at one point, which was quite funny. Um, but yeah, it was a fantastic atmosphere in the city, and uh, yeah, green and yellow, which is our colours everywhere. So it's a good day. I'm back in the Premier League to uh, meet the the mighty uh, Liverpool again. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, we're looking forward to that next year as well. We'll we'll extend the pod to cover some some Premier League action, particularly that that Liverpool Norwich game. So. All right, good. Um, a bit of housekeeping for everyone. We, we're mindful that the last couple of pods have ran on uh, for at least an hour 15, if not an hour 30. We put the poll out there, let the people speak, give us, give us your feedback, we said. We won't listen, we said. Um, <laughs> anyway, the feedback was an hour, and, an hour and 30 minutes is maybe slightly too long. So we're going to look to deliver an hour-long pod on this one. I've got I've got my stopwatch fired up, so uh, it's not a Rolex or anything like that. It's 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 an Apple iPhone, but anyway, there we go. Um, so we're going to look to to get this for an hour. So we're going to go a little bit quicker than we've been going in the past few weeks. Uh, again, feedback will be uh, well, we'll take it on board. So do reach out after this week to let us know how you're getting on. So straight into it, guys. Um, the Marlins, uh, as we finish uh, as we finish the first week of May. We currently sit at nine and twenty-four. Uh, we've had a we've had two series in the last week: uh, a sweep with the Indians, a sweep with the Indians, a, a split with the Indians, um, one apiece, and then unfortunately a three-game sweep against the Braves. Um, so one and four across the week. It's probably useful or timely that the viewers and the the listeners were telling us that these were going on too long because we're not going to dwell on the past too much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so of the past week, though, there's two major talking points that we are going to dive into. First one being Chip Bowers uh, gone 14 months into the role. And then also, I think what I describe as the first 
probably box office moment of the 2019 Marlins was the Braves against Urania rematch. What was going to happen? Was it in the past? Was it not? So we're going to dive into that in more depth as well. Um, finishing on a review of the week ahead, of which is going to be a busy week. Seven games in seven days this week uh, with, uh, with series at the Cubs starting this evening and then rounding off uh, at the Mets. Uh, and then we'll, we'll, we'll finish off with our usual player of the week curse as normal. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to that as well. So let's, let's start on, let's start off the field with Chip Bowers. And I guess this kind of came out of left field and was a bit of a surprising move. Uh, he's only 14 months into the role. Uh, his official title was president of baseball ops with these roles and job titles. You never quite know fully what they're, remit is i think that's half the battle really is you know chip what was your role what were your what were your kpis what were you there to do for me the the kind of the main things really was you know that we've all seen already has been the rebrand the the jerseys linked to that maybe but more importantly marlins park the look of it the feel of it the fan experience all that type of stuff felt like that was chip bowers's remit we've all provided positive feedback from afar obviously not none of us have beat the marlins park this year but we've it's been positive from what we've seen what we've heard um so rob chip's gone um what's what's your initial thoughts as to as to the why because that's i'm not sure we've had the why yet what are you thinking yeah it's it's very very strange because when he went uh, Jeter was interviewed the next day and didn't give much away. And um, if we just sort of go back to the the, the whole Chip Bowers kind of appointment, um, he'd come from the Golden State Warriors um, NBA side, and the, the history of them was that they were a, a pretty bad team. They had a, a huge, huge rebuild. They hadn't won the NBA championship since 1975, and and Bowers was part of that as as sort of marketing director uh, about sort of remarketing the whole Golden State Warriors, and it, it worked because they they won they were champions in 2015, 17, and 18. So he came over with a massive pedigree about rebranding mm-hmm. and how you turn a bad team around. And if you think about everything we can visibly see in Marlins Park, so. The hideous statues gone. You got the Auto Nation Alley, the very uh, you know the the brilliant colour scheme, the ivy on the wall, um, the whole ex- fan experience. So that that whole um, uh, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but DMLO or whatever it was, that whole kind of listen to me kind of um, mm-hmm. sort of fan feedback thing they were doing. Yeah. Um, uh, which has changed all the food. You have got the band there. The whole fan experience has improved now. That's what he was brought in to do, to make the whole fan experience better, to really revamp the 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 grant the park, and he's done it. So the fact that he's gone is really really peculiar. But the only clue, the only thing that um, that Jeter kind of gave away, reading between the lines, is if he he said that the move was a tough decision, and it was based on overall business strategy, and it said. One thing, this is this is quoting Derek Jeter, um, it said, the one thing we are focused on is everyone here in this organisation has to be on the same page. So reading between the lines, the only thing I can think about is that 
Bowers and Jeter or maybe others in the, in the Marlins, uh, you know, executive board um, disagreed on something and fundamentally disagreed on it. And that meant, you know, someone has to go. So um, it seems a shame, but at this point it's difficult to know whether this is detrimental to the Marlins or not. Um, but, um, you know, he's he's not really been replaced. They promoted sort of two uh, other members of staff um, to share the role. So we don't know whether Bowers was the real driving force behind all these changes, or maybe he wasn't. And that was the reason yeah. why. Or, as I said before, was there something fundamental there where him and Jeter didn't agree? Yeah. Yeah, and time, time will tell. You're right. They haven't actually directly replaced him. The role has been absorbed into two other roles, etc. So let's see. There were some some murmurings knocking around that actually the enhancements that we've commented on and enjoyed weren't or were already in motion before his appointment, etc. So you know how much of it was attributed to him directly, you know, or how much of it is he just kind of picked up? But um, Lee, you. You've talked about the the vibe in the stadium in particular. You mm. like the Vuvuzelas. You yep. like him. You like him. What you see, the old band, yep. yeah, exactly. And, and they're trying to create the atmosphere there. Yeah, I, I look at this and think, is if it was me and I was thinking, right, how am I going to measure success in year one or you know just over year one for this guy who's in effect he's there looking at. Uh, what the stadium experience is, et cetera, et cetera. For me, immeasurable for that is A, feedback from the people who are there, but more importantly, B, how many people are turning up? Yeah. Do you think that, that in effect, has been flat, I think, if not a slight decline yeah, in, in attendance? Yeah, Do you think, think that's the main are. reason? So I think from what we know, it does seem to be that there was a, you know, a disagreement there. And it, it must be the attendance. I mean, I think it is actually down on, on last year. You know, you know, which is a shame considering the, the changes made. And, you know, yeah, the vibes, the vibes kind of coming out of the park. So, so just to, to see no fans still not, you know, not not coming. Yeah. You know, it, it must be, you know, it's uh, you know upsetting to, to see really. But yeah. so I'm not sure what else what else they can do. I mean, they've changed the prices. They made it a little cheaper. The food's different. All the, all the enhancements. You know, they they seem to be good. And still, still does you know the fans just aren't aren't turning up, so yeah. it's just it's hard to know know you know you know what you know what he can do now to you know, to change it. It's just yeah. so tough. I mean, it's been like it now for so many years now. It's hard to see. I think that, I, mean, I think he just needs a concentrate at a minute G time putting out a winning team. I think that that's the only thing we haven't seen change yet. Is you know is is the team winning. So if, if he can get a winning team, maybe the fans will turn up. I mean, we have seen it before, obviously in the World Series wins. You know, the fans were there. I mean, it was like, was it three million? I think in the 2003, around about that mark. You know, so the, yeah, so stadium, stadium, stadium was a lot bigger, playing you know, you know in the Dolphins' home. But yeah, so, so I think a, a winning team is is the key here now. I know, I know from accounts, Jesus has been upset with how the team has gone this year. I know we all yeah. thought it, it would be a poor year, but I think it's been a lot poorer than than even you know, than, than even we we hoped for. So, yeah. yeah, it's interesting to see now. You know, you know what changes are made now. 
now and now that now he's made the move. Yeah, I, uh, let's be honest. You, know, you look at the the average attendances for the past. Well, okay, you go back from I don't know. Let's go back here to you know twenty thirteen mm-hmm. onwards. Twenty thirteen, you were averaging around about twenty thousand. Uh, you know, a, a game, mm-hmm. uh, and you know around about twenty one thousand. You know, twenty thousand, twenty one thousand, twenty one thousand, twenty one thousand. You know, that was the level the guys were at then. Twenty eighteen after the fire sale dropped and dipped last year to 10,000. So it's a direct correlation here between the product on the field and who's turning up. So, which makes it seem odd that you've then got a guy who's, he's not responsible for the playing staff and what's on the field right now. He's responsible for creating an environment that when the fans are there, they will enjoy that experience and will come back. That's the key is, create the environment that people will enjoy yeah. come back to year on year game after game week after week so i feel it feels to me like he's you know there's been uh some political struggle going on there the marlins on field product definitely hasn't been good enough and i think has been worse than they'd expected in terms of wins yeah. and losses i think that's kind of what we're getting through um dan where do you sit on this mate well it's it's very harsh if he's being judged on things like the attendances because Miami fans are a bit notorious for the fact that if they're not winning, we'll come back when they are winning. I'm not really interested in the bit in between. And that's the, that's with, um, the same with like, the Heat. Obviously, I'm big into my, into my Miami Heat. They're exactly the same. The big free era, it was huge. Since then, we've been nothing but mediocre and the attendances are poor. And it's the same with the Marlins. You'll get your diehards, the people that will always be there, the people that will always go through the process and understand the process. But they're, they're difficult fans to um, to please, Miami fans. Mm-hmm. It will be, we'll come back when we're winning. And if that's what he's been judged on, as I said, I, I read a report to say that, yeah, with from all the stuff you just spoke about there with the rebrand and the stadium enhancements, that that was sort of already in the process before he was hired. But he must have had some input with that. He, he had a great record at Golden State. It seems odd, and we haven't really had much um, information from GF. And you can only assume there's been some sort of loggerhead there for it to come to to this sort of call. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It, it, he didn't, as Rob mentioned earlier, he didn't give much away. Mm. It, it was like there wasn't really much of a rumor mill firing about this. It just it happened. Jeter was out in front of you know the usual media and just kind of said, "Hey, not not everyone's on the same page. I'm not happy with the team performance, but you know we need everyone going in the same direction." And blatantly, Chip wasn't thinking along the lines of the other senior managers there, and you know he's he's gone. You know who knows. What I would say is, from a marketing perspective, a brand perspective, and a park perspective, however however much or little he's in, been involved in it it's definitely looking better. And that has improved this year for sure. So, you know, the foundations are there. um, But I think it's totally obvious to see from an attendance perspective that the the on-field product needs to be right. You know, it's a tough sell to get people to go to an empty park to watch, you know, an inferior product at the moment. That is a real tough sell. But actually Mm. what, what I liked yesterday, um, the vibe yesterday in the stadium, they had that party party in the park yeah, in that, effect, yeah. which was going on yesterday, which 
what what that led to was a shed load of kids in the stadium. Um, you know, and whether they're Marlins fans or not, who knows? But you know, I think for me, this is the time. Surely you're reaching out. You're reaching out to the communities, and I'd rather have kids in there for free and mm-hmm. just you know getting interested in the game rather than yeah. no one there at all. So why not do that now? Why not just, you know, every Sunday, you know, for example, it's kids' day. Do you know what I mean? Like, get them in. Yeah. Why not? Definitely. You know, it, kids go but, free, yeah, something like that. And well, someone's got to bring spend them. money in the park, wouldn't they? They'll be spending money yeah. on food, drinking. Oh, I, I say it quite often. Yeah. In football you know, grounds here, you see teams like Wigan, for example, who you know, have half em- empty stadium. You think, just put the tickets down to a tenner, and you'll get, I reckon you'd make more money. Because, like you're saying, people are going to buy the merchandise in the stadium, programs, you know, food. I think, you know, it's better to have more more pe- people in there just just with a you know cheaper seat than it is to, to have it look to have to have, to have it half you know, you know empty. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's quite embarrassing to see on telly, you know, yeah. all the empty seats and things like you know like that. And so yeah, I, is, I do if, think some um, yeah kids you know, kids, the, uh... kids free. If the kids are having a good time as well, then all they're going to do is hassle mum and dad to now take yeah. it back there. So, you know, that that's just, it's no brainer, really. It's a really good point because I think what the Marlins have lost is the long, long term support from the really early Marlins days because yeah. you had very early success with the Marlins with uh, you know winning the two World Series. There wasn't a big gap. And then there was all the hype that this was going to happen again with this this the youngsters coming through at the time, which you had, um, you know, Stanton, Yelich. We've spoken before about the the Fernandez, uh, uh, you know, the Jose Fernandez effect and how that completely took the wind out of the sails. But it was so much excitement that was bringing the fans in, even though we haven't had a winning record, you know, for 10 years now, and we didn't have a winning record then. Um, that, I think, I, I, I always say this, that I think Jose Fernandez passing ended up with the, the problematic situation we have where the fans just walked away because there was no more excitement there anymore what had all been built up had all completely gone. And, um, you know, it was all right when Stanton was still there hitting home runs and, you know, going for the home run records and all the rest of it. Um, but you had to kind of ignore that you had Vance Worley and, you know, being hit all over the place, uh, a, an atrocious bullpen and all the rest of it. Um, but uh, now there's the excitement isn't there. So bringing the kids in is the only way you can do it because you're going to have to rebuild that fan base. People are not going to go out to their, uh, watch the Marlins if they're not winning and they're not hitting any runs because who's going to sit in heavy Miami traffic to get into a game when they might as well just, you know, watch it at home and switch it off after, yeah. <laughs> after when we start losing. And that's the, yeah, the, yeah. That's the, that's the blatant the truth of it. Yeah, I, I agree. I tell you, one thing you just mentioned there, Rob, which is important uh, and may factor into this what uh, something that is on the horizon uh is the the fox uh the fox tv deal that's due in 2020 i think for that um that renegotiation which uh we're in 2019 now so let's assume that negotiations are already commencing and it wouldn't be surprising if something is not quite working in that so from what i saw there was something on twitter earlier on about how the negotiations hadn't actually gone well so far, which which could be one of the reasons why, mm. you know, the change was made. 
there was there was something about that earlier on. Um, okay. Well, so, there yeah. you go. That, I mean, that and makes I sense. Yeah, still, still not having a, a name, you know, for the stadium is it was 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 also another factor. Yeah, yeah. we we still haven't got got a, spo- a sponsorship, and it's been what seven years now. And you know, still Marlins Park. Yeah, and and yeah. They, they did say they they would try try to get you know a sponsor for it. But still, no one's wanting it yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're they're too glaring when you think of commercially. Yeah. For, at a franchise, the 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 naming rights to the park are one. The naming rights to the park and the TV deal for the local network are the two major pieces really that are within their control. And to not have either of them sewn up or progressing well, uh, I guess, you know, that may, maybe, you know, we focus a little bit too much on the attendance and going, oh, is Bowers gone because of that? The reality is maybe there's not been the progression there that Jeter's looking for and thought, right, I'm going to make a change. And maybe, maybe he's going to take more ownership. Maybe he feels like he, he needs to get closer to these things and, mm. you know, get deals over the line. Sometimes that's what it needs, you know. Sometimes there's a few too many cooks in the kitchen in these types of things. And, you know, it, it, you know Jeter seems to be very much on the pulse and on the trigger of everything. Like, you know, every decision's going across his desk, which is fine. But, um, you know, it's we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, I think we'll, we'll see more detail coming on that as we progress. Um, well, Let's let's call it a day there for for Chip. He's in and out in fourteen months. It is what it is. We'll see how how things move on the on the park naming rights and uh, and the TV deal shortly. I do hope we see the attendance to grow. I did like what I saw in the park on Sunday, in particular yeah. kids around. You know, it's to me. Well, I think in general, just put it out there. Get it. Get the place filled. If you, and if you can't give it away, then you've got a real issue. If you mm. if you open up the doors and say, listen, anyone who wants to watch baseball today is welcome <laughs> here. It is free of charge. Come down and experience this ballpark. And if people still don't turn up, then you've got serious issues. Because I work in sales, and when you, you can't even give it away for free, then that's the time to stop. Um, and... That would be a that would be a real head scratcher for the guys to what they do next. But anyway, let's let's see. Mindful of time, guys. So we're <laughs> going to move on to the next uh, topical point, and, and this is on the fields. So let's you know this this is interesting as well. An oversight, really, from our last pod, guys, because we we didn't dwell or cover much of the Urania versus the Braves stuff. Mainly, we forgot about it, I think. But you know, hey ho. Um. So I'm going to set the scene for you guys, um, and then we'll we'll add some commentary on what we saw, what we you know what we thought was right, etc. But let me just set the scene. So uh, it was bottom of the second uh, at the you know first game of the series on the Friday. Bottom of the second, uh, Kevin Gausman is pitching. Prado single, Alfaro walk, birdie hit by pitch. Uh, although it was a glancing blow, so nothing extreme um herrera uh ground out brought a run home alfaro moved to third birdie moved to second and arania came up um with uh two outs in the inning uh one run already scored so arania up to the plate uh it's his first plate appearance against the Braves since uh, that august game where he 
Uh, he he drilled Acuna. Let's let's be honest, and I I, I think there's not really um, it's not massively up for deba- debate these days whether he intended to do it. I think I think he did, um, and you know we were where we were, so we were all thinking ahead of it. What's the reaction going to be? Is this done? Is it not? Uh, what was really interesting, I think, was that uh, Gaussman actually was on the mound in that game as well uh, when Acuna was was pinged. So he actually commented saying, so after that game, saying, if 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 I get the chance, I'm going to ping him back, basically. <laughs> so ahead of that as well, guys, just to mention as well, Tuki uh, Toussaint, um, Tuki, what was, yeah, two yeah. Tuki Toussaint, is that even is that how I pronounce it? <laughs> um, he was called up. Um, he'd been sent down and was called up. So already I was chatting with Bob Braves in the UK who was saying, well, we called him up because we're expecting Gaussman to be tossed and Tuki's going to need to pick it up and, and go from there. So anyway, next thing is Gaussman throws his fastest pitch of the, the season so far, 97 miles an hour. Um, knee high, I describe it as, and Urania swerved it. It didn't hit him, but went behind him in the end. Um, home plate umpire Jeff Nelson, immediate ejection, no warnings given, straight ejection. So that's that's what happened um, on, in the, in the lead up to it. Um, Dan, what what were your thoughts on that? Was was it expected? And yeah. did did Arania get away with it though as well uh, by not actually wearing one? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was completely expected. Um, I, d- I laughed out loud when I watched it, and it was only because he missed. Really, <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna get your revenge, hit the guy. You know what I mean? I mean, to, uh, to immediately tossed. He, he knew what he was doing. I mean, he took fair. Arania he got out of the way okay a bit, but. Yeah, it was. Um, it was. We knew it was coming, but I did laugh because I just thought, you know, you, you've got no revenge there, and all you've done now is got ejected. So bye bye. Yeah. I was waving. I was waving to me iPad, saying, "See you later, mate." <laughs> yeah. It was, uh... <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, carnage and showed really. But I thought he took it well. I thought he took it well. Right now, just a little smile. Yeah. You know, yeah. Exactly. He was. He was waiting for it, obviously. He was ready to go. He was ready to dance and move. Um, Lee, do do you think... uh, So, okay, Gaussman's thrown at him. Just just cutting, I just had an alert on my phone. Gaussman's just been suspended for five games for that, for being being tossed. Well, hold hold on a second. And he's now... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so he's been suspended for five games throwing at Arania. And Arania got six last time, didn't he? Yeah. And uh, and he is appealing, so he's, st- he's not actually banned yet. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, so do we think so this is the this is the one key bit though that, that's been in my mind is was Gaussman trying to throw behind him or was he actually trying to ping him? What do you reckon? I think he was trying to hit him and just missed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It looked like he was trying I mean, to throw that hard. I yeah. think he was aiming. I mean, he did it, so obviously it wasn't, you know, at the head. So yeah. it, it wasn't dangerous. You know, you know he wasn't he wasn't going gonna, gonna you, know, you know injure him. But I think he definitely attempted to hit him and missed, which I think yeah. maybe may why they got tossed because they realised that 
yeah, he may try and try and do it again if if he didn't you know eject him. So yeah, yeah, I think he he definitely did it on purpose. Yeah, yeah, but, but the guys hit. on the guys on commentary actually, uh, yeah. it was he. I think it was Todd may have said, well, you know, it had to be done because you can't just leave Arania there as a as a human dartboard, which you know, it, yeah. in effect, that is what could have happened. Like you said, yeah. that you missed him the first time. I'm going back to the well. And, you know, the reality is in the rules of baseball, as I understand it, you can't intentionally throw at batters. And if you do, you're tossed. Irrespective, none of this warning crap. Warnings are there yeah. where it's like you're unsure. Um, if you know, then they've got to go, I think, is the rule. And the umpire obviously made the call. We were all, I mean, like I said earlier in the lead up, in the intro, it was the biggest box office moment, I think, of the season for the Marlins. Like, it's the anticipation for that pitch um, was was certainly up there. Arania, um, though, took it well, didn't he? He kind of, like yeah. you said, he gave it the smile and, you know, I, I, he did mouth something. That I don't know what exactly he said, whether he said it's fine or it's okay or, you know, it's all yeah. good, whatever. I think that was uh, um, Alfaro who was charging towards him because <laughs> I, I think it was just oh, okay. him sort of saying, "Don't worry, I'm fine." I, yeah. I, that's what I that's what I got from it anyway because uh, Alfaro was mask off and sprinting head, head yeah. first in. <laughs> no, okay, okay. <laughs> Urania said um, after the game, he said, "For me, it was just play the game like normal. They want to do something. They're ready to do that. Good for them. I just tried to keep playing the game to cover for my team." So I, I don't think Urania was that bothered. He probably was expecting it. And then when the, the interviews with Gaussman and uh, Gaussman and and Snicker afterwards were a little bit, Gaussman was a bit blasé, and you just think, oh, you know, you 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 set your whole game plan on this, and it, you just thought, what a bunch of idiots. And he really wanted them to to then lose at least a game in this series. Um, but I'm, I'm afraid the the Braves are quite a good team. <laughs> uh, which is a part of the problem and and obviously they're very very together but it seems a completely pointless thing so they'd have lost that game on the basis that that Gorsman had been tossed it had been just stupid um so yeah. hopefully that's the end of it but i don't think it will be because at some point Uranus is going to have to pitch in atlanta uh and i'm sure we'll we'll come around to this nonsense once again um yeah yeah we're going to okay. see it again, do you reckon? When I don't know, I haven't looked at the schedule that far ahead to see when we're next Definitely. in Atlanta. We're probably there once, at least once more this year, maybe twice. Um, we'll come back to that maybe. But one thing before, before I'm not sure there's a line being fully drawn under it. There was still a few pitches knocking around. Prado definitely responded to one last night and yesterday, the Sunday game. There was. There was one he was very unhappy with, I think. Or maybe it was a Saturday game, I can't remember. But he, he wasn't happy with something. There were a couple of players hit throughout the series in general. Um, so, you know, there's nothing wrong with rivalries. But what we don't want to see is someone get, like, seriously hurt by something. Like, someone goes over the top. Um, and there was, there was flashes back in and around the build-up to this of the one that probably sparked it all when... Some uh, some one of the Braves dudes, I can't remember who it was, the pitcher, you know, literally sent a bean ball right at Fernandez's head back mm. in the day. And that that was the kind of first the first one. I think that's what the Marlins 
fans were feeling was they threw at Jose because he was unplayable at the time. So Arania then threw at Acuna because he was unplayable. And it was kind of revenge for that, if that makes sense. So, hey, it's all a bit stupid. But, you know, like I said, you don't want to see someone get really hurt with something like career ending or anything absolutely crazy like that. But for me, five game suspensions for this type of thing. Bob, Bob, again, on the Braves side, on our preview session earlier in the year, he was you know, adamant. He was like, you know, this is stupid stuff. MLB should get a hold of it, but they don't want to because it's it's talking, you know, it's it's publicity and, you know, it's negative stuff going on, but people are talking about it. But for him, he was going, listen, they need to harden up with their suspensions. It needs to be 30 games, 40 games, whatever, because a five-game suspension for a pitcher is... There's nothing well, really, yeah. It's you know, it's an extra day of rest, and that yes. is what it actually is. If it was five starts, and that's another thing, yeah, it's different, yeah. It is, yeah. So, but what's what's their beef with us? This is the silly thing. I know you've just talked about these individual incidents, and that's what builds up that whole tension between the two sides. But overall, with, when it comes down to the Braves fans, what is their beef really with us? They need to be worried about the Phillies who could run away with this division, uh, or the Mets who could. You know, steal the wild card spot away from them. at the moment, as it stands, they're doing very well, I guess. But um, they shouldn't be worried about the Marlins, who at the moment are you know starting to romp ahead in the you know the tank race to for the, the first draft pick of twenty twenty. Yeah. You know, I know uh, you're right. You're right. The Braves, right. the Braves Twitter crew is it's strange bunch. <laughs> I experienced that a lot this weekend, and I participated in a few merry-go-rounds on Twitter because it was it's fun. Um, unfortunately, the Braves guys, uh, were, it, it was too easy, unfortunately, for them guys. They wanted to keep coming back to your attendance is crap and your, your team's bottom and blah, blah, blah. But all we do is just hold up the two and put yeah, up the one on their two. side and go, two World Series to your one since 1993, guys. Sorry, end of conversation. They're like, well, we've won the division 15 times. and But, you know. The short memories from them guys is they've been through exactly this process four or five years ago and their record looks like ours back then. They're just now coming out of it, you know, after after rebuild. So we're in year two. They're year two. I think they won 62 games. So I, I don't get it. Anyway, we'll see what happens. Me personally, from the Braves, looking at them, I was uh, their Sunday lineup. I thought we should have, if we had half a tidy lineup, um, we would we should have stuffed them on Sunday. Pablo was was good, but I thought the Braves looked weak. Actually, I mean they re- Acuna was out, Donaldson was rested, um, and we had you know Freddie Freeman going over five, Albies went over five. Um, you know those are the game the games we should win. Um, we didn't, but there you go. They they looked a bit weak. The bullpen is weak. I'd be surprised if the Braves win this division this year personally. So let's um. Let's move on from that. Um, we're into we're into next. You know, let's look ahead to next week. I think and and talk about what we're what we're gonna see. Um, we start this evening a four game series with the Cubs, um, and it seems we've already seen the Cubs once this year and they swept us. I I wasn't massively impressed with them the first time around, and it, was, it seems hard to say when they swept us, but I wasn't. They were going through some stuff themselves at the time. They were having bullpen explosions, um, as was par for the course, it seemed, across MLB. But anyway, 
the Cubs now are the red hot team across the MLB. Um, I think they're maybe eight and two for the last ten. Um, the Cardinals were that team, and the Cubs have just gone in and demolished them. So, just what the Marlins need, guys. We're, we've got four games starting this evening. Sandy's on the mound for us. Um, what, Rob, maybe I'll start with you. What are you, what are you expecting to see in this series from the Marlins' side? Uh, it's going to be very, very difficult because, as you said, the Cubs are on red-hot form. They're in a very tough division where there's massive potential of three of the sides there even hitting. You know, they could hit all hit 600 uh, if it wasn't for the inter interdivisional play. They're, and so they 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 are going to be massively on it. The 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 big problem you've you've got from the perspective that we have is that we still don't look like we're going to be hitting any more runs uh, or getting many more hits at any time. And you've got players like Harvey Baez there just just absolutely tearing it up. So uh, you can't think we're going to hold him quiet for for four games. This is a little bit of a concern because we are hitting them when they are in real form. They're going to be at home. They're going to still need to get those wins. Um, so I, I, I'm not very confident at the moment. The only thing that um, I'm kind of hoping that may happen off the back of, of what we've seen lately is that from our pitching perspective, we've had a few sort of rocky moments with, with Trevor Richards and, and a few others. And, I was quite impressed with how Pablo Lopez turned it around the other night and that the fact we've still got Caleb Smith looking red hot and Alcantara has been told to, you know, by Mattingly to, you know, really attack, get it in the strike zone. You know, that's what you're there for. So we've still got a chance that it, our hot pitching, if it can just remain good and we have a really, really good week, we could hold them a little bit and we can keep players like Baez, like, you know, quiet and then maybe we could get this odd game here and there, but we do need those hits uh, and just to make them count. I know this last week it was all about Castro. I don't know how many left on bases he had, but if you just think if he'd been on form, actually there have been a few of those games against the Braves uh, and even the first game, um, uh, well, definitely the first game against the Braves, but we could have won. And, uh, yeah, it's... Um, I don't know. Uh, it's it's very difficult to to predict anything positive. <laughs> well, while you're there, and I'll, I'll, it's a good time to ask you for the series. What are you predicting? Uh, it, it's three-one Cubs. Three-one Cubs, and the the one win will come from. Um, well, let's let's have a little run through. So we've got Alcantara versus Hamels. Mm, Hamels is is playing quite well. Then we've got Smith versus John Lester, um, who is the, just just John Lester's on a on a on a roll, isn't he? Since he's he's, he's put on that uh, Cubs uniform this year. So I even so, we have I think our our stats against Lester are fairly good. Urania get versus Hendricks, um, and then we have Richards versus Darvish. I. Still, never get uh, you, Darvish. I don't think he's that good. Um, so I'm going to go. <laughs> maybe I'll go for that one. Um, yeah. Maybe because we always do well against him. Um, so oh, oh, it's difficult to bet against Caleb Smith, though, isn't it? Right, I've made my decision. 
Um, yeah, it's the Caleb Smith game oh, against John Lester. Good, Lee. What what about you for for the Cub series? Yeah, like I said, I mean, I, I, I agree with Rob. It's going to be very tough you know, to, to get anything because they are red hot. Like I said, they've won seven in, in a row, I think. Yeah, and obviously, we're, we're come, coming off a skid again. So, like, obviously, with Smith going, there's a chance in that one. Yeah, every game he pitches, there's always a chance. And, yeah, the last game, Rick, yeah, Richards against Darvish. I know Richards, you know, he lasted four innings in the last time. So, if, if he can, it's, it's just his pitches. He seems to, to take a lot of, you know, you know, about twenty odd odd to, to get through an inning all the time. If, if he can just, you know, you know, lower that a bit, then then you know, because he seems to only last five, you know, five innings or so. So if if he can go go deeper, as we saw with Pablo the other day, I still think he he could have gone gone longer the other night. He, he came out after eight, you know, eighty eight pitches. On, yeah. On Sunday, when I mean, I said on Twitter he should have come out for the seventh. You know, at least he could have yeah. done. I think well, if, our, if our pitchers can can go deeper, then we got a charming two-two at best. I think is you know yeah the the, the, the best hope is is two-two split. Yeah, well, I think that's optimistic. Dan, what about you? <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's going to be really difficult, really difficult. I think that um, it's a terrible time to plan because they are they're on fire and um well we're just we're just almost rock bottom at the moment this is this is the hardest part of the season so far i think we're we're bottom of pretty much every stat that you could want really in terms of offensive play um i mean bottom in run scored bottom in home runs i tweeted something out earlier with with you guys i think doubles triples that, that everything we're bottom at um, against a team that are, that are great in a very tough division. And um, I think that it's difficult when we're this bad what to do because you think it probably is not the best time against the Cubs, but I would rather now just go, OK, let, let's just start bringing up the guys that are doing well down in NOLA. Let, let, like, you know, you have uh, Ramirez, um, Harrison, um, Dean, you know, I know the, the there's, a, been there's a whole new outfield there. Then. <laughs> yeah, I know. But at what at what point when nothing's really happening, the offense yeah. is so the offensive side of our game is so poor at the moment. What when when do you just say okay, well, just let's let's do it. This is what part of the process is is to just is to start getting these guys ready for the major leagues. I'm not sure it's now really with the Cubs and and then the Mets two away games. Maybe we get through them first. But I don't see. Um, I mean, you know, I, I hate to say anything negative about um, Marlins, or especially in our pitching, because I think that's been good. But I don't see. I don't even see a game in the Cubs really. Maybe, maybe Smith, as I said, because he's, he's my boy. But, he's your guy. Um, <laughs> but I, I, hand on heart, if I wasn't, if I was just a neutral fan here, I'd be saying sweet all day. Mm. Yeah. It's the Marlin uh, side of me, the Marlin side of me, which is saying, or oh, maybe a game. Um, the only good thing is that you know, it's a four-game series, and I think four-game yeah. series sweeps are quite tough to pull off. So, yeah, we, yeah. we, we, we could steal one. <laughs> yeah, it's hopefully. Yeah. yeah, it will be a steal. I, I look back at the Braves series, and that, that for me, it pretty much... Do you know what, the... The last game of the series pretty much sums us up this season with mm-hmm. solid starting pitching, erratic bullpen, no offense. Yeah. That 
that game is a microcosm of our season there. It just it is what it is this year and it's not nothing really is gonna change there. I, I think yeah. what where we're at on the on the offense side, I think, at the moment is there's a few too many vet guys in there who aren't doing doing enough with with the bat. Like when you look at the, the lineup there and you've got, you know, Prado, Castro, Miggy Rowe, uh, Neil Walker, Grand Granderson when he's in, you know, five five or six of the spots are veterans and none of them are hitting anything really. Prado's been fine and it's been a nice surprise this year, but you know, that's that's the thing. Mm-hmm. And to, back to your point, Dan, it's well if if those guys are there and they're not doing anything anyway, then why not just bring up the young guys? But you know, yeah, you're right. Is Wrigley Field on a four game no. series against the, the you know the the red hot Cubs the right right environment? Probably not. And we've seen what happened to Lewis as well. Yeah. You know, maybe, you know, he should have been down earlier in reality, in retrospect. So it's a tough balance, isn't it? Because you don't want to completely kill a prospect's um, confidence or mentality. But equally, if they're, if they're at that AAA level and they're smashing it up, then, you know, what better place to learn than in the big leagues? I mean, that's how you learn, isn't it? I mean... Even if it isn't, you don't come out smashing it. You know, it's it's the right place to learn, I think, particularly based on where we're at this year and whatnot. So, yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'm I'm the same guys. So I went absolutely gun blazing, guns blazing last week, <laughs> predicting back to back sweeps for the Marlins. I've always been the pessimist on this pod, and what I'm gonna do is revert back. And I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look to try and jinx. All we've done in this pod is anything positive has happened. We've jinxed. If, we, if there's a play of the week, they've you know, they've had a shitter after it. If I bought a jersey, they've been sent down. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna predict a four nil Cubs win against the Marlins. And I don't think I'm even taking the piss in all in all honesty. I think the Cubs are just they're real dangerous. The thing is, for for me, what makes them really tick. You've got Javi Baez, who I, I felt like he'd had a, a career year last year and he was going to regress. I don't think he has regressed this year and he's actually kicking on. But for me, what really makes them tick is when you've got Rizzo playing well. That is when the Cubs are performing. And he had Rizzo had a slow start to the year. The bullpen was blowing up. But now Rizzo's back in the groove. He's doing well. For me, he's that oil that makes the team... That's what really makes them spin. For me, it's a little bit like Freddie Freeman at the Braves when Freddie's do. You know, I see that they both play first base anyway. But equally, when those guys are on, they make them tick. Those both of those teams. And at the moment, Rizzo looks like he's on. So we're going to struggle. Um, quickly, guys, because the Mets is still four games away, and so much can happen. So much will happen. There'll be. You know, we're recording Monday, as you mentioned. We've got Tuesday to come. We know what happens on Tuesday. Stuff happens. So we'll expect roster moves and klaxons tomorrow in, after the pod goes out. Um, and a lot will probably happen by the time we get to the Mets. Um, um, but, you know, it's going to be a three-game three series there. Not sure where the lineups from a pitching perspective. I think that's always key with the Mets. Rob, can you see, are we likely to see top of the rotation from the Mets based on what they're showing at the moment? Um, I don't know. 
It's no. your right. <laughs> the answer to that. Yeah, when, when I, I did look earlier on, it, it, it didn't say anything. It, it, it just had the like, you know, lines across it to be determined. Yeah, a bit, a bit far out. We could yeah. probably put some thought to it and work out. You know, yeah, I, great, the key question there is: Are you seeing Degrom and Syndergaard and whatnot? Yeah. Or are you seeing? I think they've. I think they may have had an injury today. I think Matts might have potentially oh, yeah, had some nerve issue yeah. or something. So, you know. You know what the Mets are like. They normally start fast and then they fade because of injuries. So maybe that's the start of that. I haven't, I've got to be honest, the Mets for me, I've not seen or heard much about them in the last couple of weeks. They've kind of just been ticking along. I don't know what you guys, whether you've got any any insight really, but they just seem to be ticking. It's, it's a tough division. And the thing is, is that they, they've had... And this is the the thing you're going to see with all of these teams, uh, apart from us in, in the division, all season long. They've just lost their last three games, and so they've fallen away. However, Atlanta have won their last three because they're playing us, uh, and and so suddenly they've rocketed ahead. Um, so these little sort of win and losing streaks will happen, and especially with the Mets, who are quite susceptible to it, because we talk about Degrom, but the rest of their pitching lineup isn't as strong um and also uh, you know if you compared them player like for like with the Phillies uh, when it comes to the batting lineup you think mm, yeah not quite as strong they are they are definitely a better side than they were last year but they have fallen away the three and a half games back but if the Phillies then lose three in a row and, and the Mets go on a run, they're all back in it. And it's going to be like that all season. It's going to be toing and throwing, apart from mm. the Washington Nationals, who I've, I've said before, I think could be in a bit of trouble. Mm. But, um, yeah, they they are... The the difference with the Mets this year is, is DeGrom's winning. <laughs> so they're not letting him down. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. whereas last year, um, they, they definitely were. But, um, uh, yeah. Um, they're, and Syndergaard... I don't know if you guys saw this as well. He, he, it was the one man band the other day with Syndergaard. He went, yeah. he went pitched for the complete game and hit the only run of the game as a home run. One nil they won. So <laughs> I was absolutely in, in, you know, what is a, a huge team effort in baseball to win a game of baseball is a massive team effort to pitch that complete game and hit the only run as a homer solo home run shot. It's pretty incredible. It doesn't happen that often. No, I think it was the, the 80s, so sometime in the early 80s that yeah, blast happened. And that game only lasted just over two hours um, because it, it was just it was just a, a train of, of, of strikeouts and, and flyouts. It was, it, I did see a little bit of that game. And, yeah, um, yeah it was a very fast game. So that, that's it, the MLB wanting uh, faster games. That, that's, your, mm-hmm. that's your solution. Yeah, that's it. I, I think it all stems back to Syndergaard changed his hair for that day. I think he'd be wearing it in some sort of bun or something, and it hadn't quite worked for him. He had it flowing, I think, the other day, and you know he was back to his best. So let's hope he's got the man bun back on the mound when we, if we do see him. So, right, guys, I all set you uh, a, a, a task ahead of this pod. So we're going to round things off ahead of, well, we'll round things off with the player of the week, but ahead of that, we've got around about nine minutes <laughs> if we're to, to stick to our promise of an hour-long pod uh, to, to dig out what, what we started with this pod was, I'd say, limited on statistical 
analysis or background. Um, what's happened over the past few weeks is everyone's throwing in stats left, right and centre. Baseball, as we know, is heavy on stats. I'm not that much of a stat man myself, which is fine. But I've, I've put it out to everyone to say, hey, come prepared with a stat of the week, of the month, of the season so far, Marlins related, that you maybe the, the listeners may have not known or understood or realised. So we'll go round the horn first. Um, who wants to go first? Who's, who's saying, they, who's up for it? Who's got their finger in the air? I'll go. I've got my. Holy God! You know, Marlon, uh, so, so we we were talking of, of the player of the week, yeah, and, and how it's cursed for us. <laughs> Starling Castro was our player of the week last week. Since then, he's gone over nineteen. <laughs> since then, and that is an overall O for twenty twenty three slump. You know, so the curse oh, is still us. One walk in, in, in all of that as well. So <laughs> right. Uh, he has he has really you know hit the skids over he the last, really last seven days. He has was it over twenty three at the moment? Yeah, yeah I think yeah, that's what bloody it, yeah. hell. <laughs> well, I know just on following up on Castro quickly, there was something that I flashed up on Twitter a few weeks back. I know you guys saw this as well. You know when again I'm not a stat man, so I don't go straight to the stats to, to confirm anything. I just see it and say it. Mm-hmm. And with Castro, I was like, holy shit, he keeps grounding into double plays seemingly over and over. But, you know, everyone shifted to Castro, double play, boom. And then someone went and found it for me and said, oh, yeah, actually, Castro is leading the league in, uh, in ground into double plays. Um, so I've gone back, guys. I found that stat and I've gone back and found it. He is still leading the league in ground into double plays and he's up to nine for the year. So... <laughs> I think probably three of them have happened this week, and I know you guys. It's like a, it's like a, it's a double play. You know, yeah. alert goes up across Twitter. Whenever one happens, everyone's getting in touch with me now. Going, have you seen Castro? Um, anyway, um, who's next up, guys? Good, good one though, Lee. I like that one. <laughs> yeah, well, I um, I did some. Well, I mean, my stat was for all our Miami listeners, and I know there's thousands of, that listen to this over in Miami. Um, it's been a bank holiday weekend over here in the UK. Um, so I haven't been, I've had a quite a busy bank holiday weekend and lots of festivities. So I did my homework about an hour or so before the pod started. So, um, it's not the most interesting one, but it does follow on from my sort of stat attack that I did last week based on runs and hits. So I just went back and had a look at, again, the runs that is not great from, uh, Marlins. Um, we have hit five or more runs. Uh, just five times all season. And by contrast, our opponents have hit five or more runs in five of the last seven outings against Miami Marlins. So it sure shows you that we are on complete... It just highlights what we already know. Um, But I just thought that was quite funny more than anything else. (laughs) Five five runs in the last seven for our opponents, and we've only done that five times since the beginning of the season, 30-odd games ago. So, uh, yeah, that was my quick stat from... um, a pretty busy weekend so I'd, I'd summarize that in the stats don't lie and yep. <laughs> for me that completely backs up what we've said there's a lack of run support starting pitching's fine in the main but there's a lack of run support for them and you're yeah. right the stats do not lie we just we just not support and you know what was it five five out of the what 33 games we've gone five or over is that mm. right yeah, that's right. Yeah. And when you look at it like, you know, 
a, a winning performance. I know our our um our pitching is good. We're we're, we're happy with that, but if it, you need to be getting at least five or more if you want to be looking at a win. Anything less than that, I think you've got to be really, really on top of your pitching. Otherwise, it's it's, it's another L. And that's yeah. what's been happening. Yeah, it has. It has. No, you're right. Well, there you go. Um, Rob, what have you dug out? Uh, well, I know you. You'd be digging deep in, into Well, the I, I, I'm going to... Uh, yeah, I, I was going to disappoint. Because what I really, really wanted was a stat on about how many players have hit the roof after Peter O'Brien's unfortunate <laughs> uh, home run robbery um, by the roof. And I thought that was quite ironic in a way. And it shows when you're having a bad season when... Um, you know, they close the roof because of all that shadows issue and it robs you a home run, which in theory could have won us the, you know, the game in the long run if that would have, uh, you know, led to led to anything else. So um, I can't find anything of that apart from obviously uh, our, our neighbours across the other side of Florida, um, the Tropicana field that regularly uh, bats uh, or players. Uh, hit the gantries that are up there. It's, it's a big problem. So um, my stats are I uh, my stat of the week um, kind of goes down into the AAA because there's a lot of noise about Harold Ramirez at the moment and about that he's a right fielder and should be called up now because our bats are silent. And um, I've just looked into whether he is ready. So uh, you can look in the AAA, the on-base percentage he's got is brilliant. And, you know, so around the same area that Austin Dean and, and sort of Peter O'Brien and Monte Harrison have. But uh, his strikeouts and, um, uh, and you know, in general, is, is he ready? Is he getting the hits? And the interesting thing is that majority of his hits are first base, second base. He leads... Um, the uh, the the New Orleans baby cakes with um, second bases with eleven, and that's far above anyone else. So this looks like a player that can actually, with the bat, play a lot of the short game, and that's what Mattingly wants. So just looking at that, and the fact that he's got eighteen strikeouts, a lot of his strikeouts came quite early in the season. So he looks like someone who's really really fine tuning it. So at the moment. I think he's a player that maybe we could see, I don't know, end of the month, something like that, next month. Let him tune it up a little bit more, then bring him up. We don't want a situation like the Astros had with like Kyle Tucker. They brought him up too early and he really, really struggled. So that's my stat at the moment, That as uh, mm -hmm. boring as it sounds. But Howard Ramirez at the moment looks like that short game player leading um the, the 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 baby cakes at the moment with the 11 second bases and uh, just just to add in um sorry for the additional um boring fact but uh, zach gallant had another lovely week i've got to mention him every week and another <laughs> good performance his whip is 0.55 at the moment so every inning that zach gallant pitches um he gives away half a run exactly he's awesome and uh i you didn't let me down I had you nailed on to give me a AAA-related stat. So there we go. I think the calls for Ramirez will continue to grow this week. That's what I'm saying. Who knows when we'll see him. But, you know, if we get swept again this week, if we, you know, go to New York and struggle there, we return on the homestand maybe, you know, I think he'll just have to be promoted by them, won't he? If he continues and, and we continue to struggle, which is all probably likely. Um, 
All right, guys. Well, my, <clears throat> just for me to round it off, I'm going to throw it out to you first. So, so I'm fo- I focused on intentional walks um, across across the league. If I said to you, who is leading the league currently as a player? Who who leads the league on most intentional walks? Who would you go with? Mike Trout. Mm. Yeah, probably mm. Trout. You would guess Trout. Yeah, it's a good shout. He's second with seven. The the leader currently is from the Phillies. If I say that, you probably think maybe Bryce. Nope. Franco. Mikel Franco leading the league. He's it's because he's in that eight spot a lot, isn't he? When you intentionally walk him to get to the pitcher. Yeah. So I think it's it's inflated. But he's leading the league with nine, trout on seven, a shed load of guys then follow that in kind of six and five. Mm-hmm. Who who do you think's leading the Marlins team in intentional walks? If we had me. The whole team, yeah, on zero. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, guys, this I mean, we're the only team in the whole of in the whole of the MLB with no players intentionally walked. Wow. Everyone else has had at least one. That's that what that says to me is our pitchers can bat. Mm, they can, yeah. We, we do seem they to have can a good, bat. <laughs> a good, you know, Lopez the other day, well, I think, was taking the best swings of anyone. Oh, I, one of them was cracked off the bat. He, I, I don't know how to get this information. I wish I, I wish I knew in a game. I'm going to familiarise myself more with statistics and how to get information quickly. Because as soon as Lopez... You're right, I saw that hit from Lopez mm. and I thought, nailed on. That's the hardest hit ball we've had today. I was, you know, you, like you said, you see it and you say it, and that's the one I was feeling. I just needed the computer there to go. <laughs> yep, yep, that's right. It was. It was 98 mile an hour. And the rest of them will be about 45. Um, so there you go. That was my stat. No intentionally walked Marlins players thus far. <laughs> Partly, I think, because some of our pitchers actually can bat, yeah. and primarily because yet yeah, there is no no power threat. I, I think. Just to, as a, as a side on that, Alfaro's been hit by pitch, I think, about five or six times as well, maybe four times. So if there is someone you would pitch around, maybe it would be him. But, you know, that, apart from that, you could understand why. Uh, but I'm just surprised we haven't got someone in the eighth spot that they haven't intentionally walked yet. I mean, surprising. Anyway, guys, we've slightly burst into the hour. So I've I've... I've got to have gone back on my promise. What I'm going to say is we're going to do a minimum or a maximum, sorry, of, of an hour and seven minutes. So let's round it off with a player of the week. Um, and then if, if, if you've got an emoji of the week, you can also throw that in as well at the same time. So we'll go reverse order here. So Dan, the man, player of the week, nomination one. Wow. Um, it's been a tough week. It's been a tough week. <laughs> but- there's not a lot to shout about apart from the glaringly obvious against the Indians pitching performance again from uh, from Caleb. Eight, eight strikeouts, four hits, just one and run from seven innings pitched. That is that is spot on. That's the only highlight for me that there's been a week. So Caleb again for me. No brainer. I mean, I expected it from you, of course. <laughs> Lee, go on then. You're going to say there was one player who had a decent, you know, one game. Uh, Herrera on on the same Indians game. He had a two out RBI double, and he made a really good catch in the field. 
in that game as well, which saved the run. And he had another RBI in that game. For the week, he was 4 for 12, well, you know, with four RBI. So Herrera is, is, is my vote for this week. You're trying to get him sent down. I know your game. <laughs> <laughs> I know your game. Go on, Rob, who have you got? Uh, well, I am going to go for the, the player of the week is Dr. K, um, but I don't want to jinx him. Um, but I'm going to have to go for him because he is the player of the week um, for the, the stats that, that Dan's just said. He had a great game. Um, but I, I'll, I will give a shout out to John Bertie as well, um, who uh, actually had a good week. Uh, uh, seven hits. Um, only one of those was that was an RBI, but an average of 318, a 400 on base percentage, which is unheard of good. in our, our team, uh, even though it's just Prado a, levels. It is, yeah. So he's uh, he's he's warming up a bit, and also his his squad number's fifty five. And back in the day, my favourite NASCAR driver was Michael Waldrip, and he was fifty five. Um, so um, yeah, a, a, an honourable mention to John Bertie, but it is uh, Caleb Smith for me. Yeah, fair enough. So yeah, there we go. That that <laughs> that leaves me in a a difficult position because I know what has happened. <laughs> With our player of the week, subsequent to that nomination, and I know I know what what happens, but for me, guys, I'm going to go slightly left of field, and let me tell you why. For me, my nomination is Jose Orenia. I the reason why, other than the fact he made Gaussman look like a pillock <laughs> and made him look proper amateur, when you he knows. He's throwing at him and he couldn't even hit him. So that was poor. But it was just a rainier. He just was too slick. But aside from that, guys, the thing that I loved about that performance from Jose, he got around to, I think it was in the bottom, uh, it was in the first inning. Uh, Acuna was in the four, in batting cleanup. And Acuna came to the plate, thought, oh, here we go. This is interesting. This is before, you know, Arrhenia's batting. What's going to go down here? Um, is he going to go for him again? Is he going to hit him again? That would have been interesting. He didn't. Instead, he threw, well, I think, without seeing the stats, I think he threw his hardest pitch or two of the year hard inside to Acuna. Twice in a row, there were two 97-mile-an-hour blitzes high inside, but like not as, high, uh, not as inside as last time. Anyway, he ended up finishing him off, putting him down on a 2-2 pitch. I think it was a slider away, struck him out. Acuna ended up on one knee, didn't know what had happened. I thought, Jose, that is the way to do it. That is the way to deal with us. And that's what we should have done. That's what people say anyway. Don't throw at batters. Just strike them out instead. Anyway, so there you go. There's my nomination. Um, Jose Arrhenia. Um so that leaves Caleb Smith as player of the week. So that's unfortunate. Um, but yeah, he has, he was awesome. Um, emoji of the week, guys, just quickly. I'm going for the sunglasses, cool, smiley face one because I was just blown away by Pablo yesterday. The guy is just, there's no other word for it. The guy is cool. Cool as you like. Any, any further developments on that? I've got the shrug one for the Chip Bowers sacking because I, I don't quite get it. Yeah. Any others, guys? That's fair as well, Rob. Just, uh, just a thumbs down. Thumbs down. For the whole week. I've got the clown for Kevin Gausman. 
<laughs> yeah, that's good. Yes. I like that. Yeah. Awesome. Guys, that is an awesome way to round off the pods. <laughs> Kevin Gausman, you clown. Um, <laughs> well, there we go, guys. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to join me again. Excellent to have you on, as always. Uh, we'll look forward to picking this up next week. Um, we're just we're just under the uh, hour and ten minute mark once all said and done. So progress from last week. Uh, I hope all the listeners have enjoyed this uh, shortened version of our of our podcast. Um, as always, feedback is is welcome. Reach out to me or the guys through the week. Uh, we'll we'll probably pick up. Uh, nearer the Met series and, and, and start to put our predictions forward, maybe on Twitter. So please engage with us on, on that channel. Um, we'll look forward to hopefully a surprising performance with the Cubs. We're getting into that tonight. Um, but that's it for this week, guys. Thanks again for listening. You've been listening to Fish Across the Ponds, uh, Miami Marlins UK baseball podcast. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.